right. Well, again, happy Mother's Day. It is awesome to be with you guys this morning. Thank you for joining us online as well. Uh, I am not going to do a Mother's Day sermon. And, uh, and the reality is I have not done a Mother's Day sermon in about 10 years, but I haven't explained it in about 10 years either. So I thought maybe it'd be good to do that. And the reason is this, about 10 years ago when I was doing Mother's Day sermon after Mother's Day sermon after Mother's Day sermon, there was a little bit of a buzz about Mother's Day. And I thought, well, you know, let's just gather a group of people together who are going to tell us the truth, just straight up. And so we did. And we said, you know, Mother's Day, like it, love it, hate it, like what is it about it? And, you know, it's a complicated day for obvious reasons. But what we talked about was the service. And they said, well, you know, Tom, we love that you acknowledge us. We love that you honor us. We, we love that you pray for us, which we're going to do at the end of the service. We even like the food, you know. So like we typically, when it's not a quarantine and we don't have a worldwide pandemic, like we make special food for the moms and we say, dads, go get the food or send your kids if they can be trusted, you know, to go get the food for you and have them serve you in your seat and all of that stuff. But I had this one person say, and I left, she just went straight to the point. She said, all right, so here's the thing. Uh, it is really vulnerable to be a mom. You just are overwhelmed by the weight of the responsibility of it. I mean, if you're looking for someone who has an impact on someone else, I mean, it'd be tough for you to find anybody who can impact anybody more than a mom can for his or her child. You get the idea? And she said, you know, what we don't want is to come to church and have you give us three more ways we're failing. And I thought, oh, no, that's not what I want to do. That's not my goal. It's not my intent. I said, all right, so what if we kept all the other stuff? And then, since we typically preach through books, we just do a sermon that applies to everybody. And they said, yeah, just pick it up wherever you left off last week. And so that's what we've been doing year after year. And it has worked, I think, although maybe I'll find out differently today, uh, year after year with one really glaring exception one year, we were working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and on Mother's Day, we were on sexual immorality. And I thought, that's a fail. You know, like that was just, I don't know how we did that, but somehow that's what happened, and it was memorable mostly to me. So that was a joy. So uh, you're welcome, hopefully, uh, if, uh, if you don't want a Mother's Day sermon. But um, one other thing that I want to talk about here at, at Rio is our mask policy. This has been something we get a lot of questions about. Since the beginning of the quarantine, we have been pretty vigilant about all of the various protocols that the city and that the state has come to us with. Uh, you know, we've spaced out the seating, as you can see. We've got spaces and chairs between everybody and groupings of people here. We've, you know, adhered to all of the cleaning protocols and so forth. And we have required everybody to wear a mask. Okay, so that is going to change on June 6th. On June 6th, we're going to continue to space everybody out and put the seats between the people who are grouped together and so forth, but we are no longer going to require you to wear a mask. If you want to wear one, you are welcome to do that. If you don't want to wear one as of June 6th, you're welcome to do that. That's going to be true anywhere on the campus. Uh, it's going to be true for volunteers and for those who just come and attend. And so I want to let you guys know that. Uh, primarily, uh, the reasoning for that is that's past the end of our school year, and we're one organization with our school. But then in addition to that, we kind of feel like everybody, certainly by June 6th, will have had ample opportunity to get the vaccination if you want to do that, and, and even to get it twice and reach full immunity. And, we, you know, if you're not going to do that, chances are you've made that decision at this point anyway. And my experience, at least, is that the folks who don't want to get the vaccine hate the masks the most. So, so as of June 6th, uh, you will not have to wear a mask. That's four Sundays from today, okay? So I just wanted to put that out there and start getting out the word in that regard so everybody has fair notice. 
All right, so with all of that in mind and all that having been said, we're going to continue this study today that we've been calling Desiring the Kingdom, and today we come to the end of the book of 1 Kings, and with the end of the book of 1 Kings, we come to the end of the life of this man who is evil, who is awful, who is the big bad King Ahab, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel that we've seen so much of the life of as we've moved through these last several weeks. But what I want you to see today is what brings him to his end. What brings him to his end, what costs him literally everything, is choosing to listen to the wrong people. That's it. You choose who you're going to listen to in life, and man, he chooses poorly. If you've been following along in this study, you know that at this point in the narrative, the kingdom of Israel, which under Solomon, for example, was one king, has now been divided into two different kingdoms. And so you have the northern kingdom, and Ahab is the king of the northern kingdom in this particular moment in history, and you have the southern kingdom, and Jehoshaphat is the king of the southern kingdom at this particular moment in history. Ahab a good guy, or Ahab a bad guy, Jehoshaphat a actually really good guy, but a young guy. So Ahab invites Jehoshaphat to come on up, and he wines him, and he dines him, and he puts him in the nicest suite in the palace, and he just, you know, fawns all over him, and then finally he gets to the point, hey, here's why I invited you. Several years ago, as you, I'm sure, Jehoshaphat are aware, but if not, please know, the king of Syria came down into the northeastern part of my territory, and he captured a very valuable city, Ramoth Gilead, and I want the city back. And the reason that I brought you here and I wined you and dined you and I gave you this particular view in the palace as opposed to that is because I want you to go up to war against him with me. Will you join me in recapturing the city? And he's willing to do it. Like, he's like, well, yeah. I mean, and it kind of makes sense from his perspective. I mean, it looks like at least they would have an overwhelming force against this particular city. The two armies together should surely be able to do this without a lot of loss. And beyond that, he's going to be able to call the favor going the other direction later on if he needs it. So in other words, if I help you this time, oh man, I can phone in a favor anytime I'd like from you. So it makes a lot of sense, except Jehoshaphat says, well, look, here's the deal. My people are like your people. I'm in this thing with you. I'm happy to do this. But what does God say? Because before we do that, we need to check with him. And Ahab's like, oh, you know, and he just rolls his eyes and he's like, good grief. I've heard about you. You're the religious guy, but I'm ready for you. So Ahab parades his 400 prophets in front of the king of Judah. Now, what do we know about the prophets of Ahab? We know that they're on his payroll. That's what we know. We know that they eat dinner at his house every night. We know that he has them not to give him the word of the Lord, but to tell him what he wants to hear. We know that basically they're a big public relations move so that he can go to the people or anybody else, Jehoshaphat in this case, and go, here's what I want to do, and listen to the voice of the prophets of the Lord because God's in this with me, even if he's not. So he parades the prophets before him. And they're like, oh, yeah, you need to do this. And Jehoshaphat's like, look, man, I've heard about you too, and I know all about your prophets, and I had dinner with them last night, and I was not very impressed. And the truth of the matter is, I don't trust what they're saying. And so in verse 7 it says, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not here, meaning in the whole nation, this whole northern kingdom, is there not anywhere around here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? You know, somebody that we can get an independent prophetic evaluation of the situation from. And the king of Israel, and I love this, I mean, we've been all over Ahab, but please give him credit for his honesty. 
The king of Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man of whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Imlah, but I hate him. Why? For he never prophesies good concerning me but evil. So then what does Ahab consider to be evil? Anything that disagrees with what he wants. So what is he saying? He's like, listen, I'm not interested in the truth unless it happens to line up, you know, with what I want to hear, in which case it's more or less coincidental. I don't care about the truth. I want to be told what I want to be told. I want to hear what I want to hear. And frankly, anything else is inconvenient. In fact, it's worse than inconvenient. It's evil. Wow. All right, so when you read through the Bible and you come to Ahab's, what are you supposed to do with that? I think our gut tendency is to look at Ahab and look at all of the ways that we're different from Ahab and celebrate us and put down Ahab. But the reality is the Bible comes to us with all of these broken characters, with all of these people, with all of these flaws, and it's calling us to look at their flaws and identify with them. So the question is, how do I know if, like Ahab, I'm not interested in the truth? And I want to give you at least five different ways. I think that you know that you're not interested in the truth when, for example, you start avoiding certain people, not because they annoy you, you know, not because they emotionally drain you, not because you're afraid they're going to ask you for money again, but because you know what they think about something. And you don't want to hear it. Even if they might be right, think about that. I think you know that you're not interested in the truth when you do the same thing with the Bible, when you start avoiding certain passages of Scripture. You know, you know what they've said, you've heard them before, and oh, there's a whole sermon on that, and oh, wait a minute, where are we in the Bible this week? Yep, you know what, I'm going to skip it. You get the idea? You're dancing around it because it's like, la, 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 I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I'm just like Ahab. I think you know you're not interested in the truth when you start reinterpreting certain passages of Scripture, maybe certain passages of Scripture that the church over the last 2,000 or maybe even 5,000, depending upon what part we're talking about, have interpreted consistently in a particular way, and maybe even passages of Scripture that you yourself have interpreted consistently in a particular way until this particular moment in time when it's like, oh, no, i got to find a way around this. Fourthly, I think that you know that you're not interested in the truth when you say things like you just don't understand to everyone who disagrees with you, including God. You ever do that? We all do that. Oh, man, you just don't understand. What is that? That's just I'm just dismissing you. That's code for you just made an argument that's really good. I have no ref- ability to refute it, so therefore you just don't understand. Lastly, I think you know that you're not interested in the truth when you hear the word of God and you just say, yeah, I'm going to disregard that. And that's what Ahab does, and it costs him everything. Ahab's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, let me bring my prophets in, and they're going to say the same thing that I'm saying because they know that I'll kill them if they don't. And Jehoshaphat's like, no, 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 hang on. Like, I'm willing to go, but I need to hear something from the Lord. Is there not a prophet, like a real prophet? He's like, well, there's this guy, Micaiah. So now Ahab's stuck. So he sends a messenger to go get Micaiah. The messenger shows up at Micaiah's house, and he says, hey, listen, man, king wants you. I'm bringing you in one way or the other, so, you know, come nicely. But let me tell you what you're walking into, because this is significant, okay? This is important. So here's the deal. Jehoshaphat from the south, wined, dined, been asked the question, 
Will you go to war with me? Yes, but only if the Lord signs off on it. So all of Ahab's prophets have signed off on it. He said, oh, yes, God is clearly in this. It's going to be great. No problem. Okay, what we don't need, Micaiah, is a contrarian in the room, all right? It's going to go very badly for you if, in fact, you don't agree with the prophets of the Lord. So what does he do? He walks in and agrees with the prophets of the Lord, but he does it so sarcastically that everybody knows that he doesn't mean it. It says in verse 15 that when Micaiah had come to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? Micaiah answered him, sure, why not? Go ahead, knock yourself out. Go on up, triumph, the Lord will give Ramoth Gilead into the hand of the king, you know. Okay, guys, am I done? That's what you wanted to hear, right? So I can leave now? So Ahab stuck. But the king, you can't ignore the obvious sarcasm, said to him, this is so ridiculous, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. Okay, well, he's already admitted that he's not interested in the truth, so I mean, it's just silly. And Micaiah says, oh, you want the truth. All right, well, here's what it's going to look like if you guys go up to war against Ramoth Gilead. I'm going to just give you the picture. He says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no what? Shepherd. Now, if you're Ahab, why is that a problem? Because you're the shepherd. So in other words, he's saying, look, if you guys go up your armies and you think you've got them outnumbered, here's what's going to happen, Ahab. You're going to die, and then all of your armies are going to be scattered. He continues. He says, and the Lord said, so here's the word of the Lord. These have no master. That's you, Ahab, and that's because you're going to die in the battle. Let each return to his home in peace. And so he, you know, he prophesies utter disaster for Ahab. And then having heard this, Ahab, the king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, I am so glad you made me call this guy in. Like, oh, my goodness. I was going to my doom. I would have died in this battle, but for the fact that you made me bring this guy in. Thank you, thank you a thousand times. He doesn't say any of that. He says, did I not tell you that this guy would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? But hang on. Did he not prophesy good concerning him? I think he did. In fact, if Ahab had listened to the good, it would have saved his life. He calls it evil because it disagrees with what he wants. And so he disregards it. And then what happens? He goes to battle and that happens. He's killed in battle. His armies are scattered. They're routed before the enemy. They're all chased back to their homes. Battle over. Ahab over. Guys, it matters who you choose to listen to in life, and it really kind of is your choice. And you're like, all right, but then who is my Micaiah? So let's say that I want to know what the Lord wants me to do on something. Like, I've got a decision to make. Am I going to attack this city or not attack this city? Probably it's a different decision, but you get the idea. I mean, how do I know? Where do I go? And every time I'm asked that question, I give the same answer, but I haven't given it here in three years on a Sunday, so I'm going to give it again because I think it's really practical and helpful. I think what you do is you begin to work through a list of five questions until you have your answer, in which case you quit working through the list. And the first question is always, what does God's word say? Now, why is that the first question? Because that is the number one way that God speaks to his people today. He speaks to us through his spirit who lives within us and through his word primarily. Are there other ways that he speaks? Yes. 
But this is the primary way. And it's why Solomon comes to us and says things like, you need to take God's word and you need to be in it regularly, in it regularly, in it regularly, taking it and depositing it down into the well, if you will, of your heart. Just so that you know it, you, you're conversant with it, you're filling your heart and life with it. And sometimes when you're flipping through and you're reading and you're doing your personal worship, God speaks right then. But if you're depositing it in your heart continually, sometimes you're faced with a decision and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reaches down into the well of your heart and he grabs that passage of scripture that you faithfully put in there and he pulls it out and he says, here, this is your answer. Happens all the time. You know, and sometimes it directly answers the question. In other words, you, you go, okay, I've got this question, and you go to your concordance, you know, and you find all these verses, and you look them all up, and you're like, I have my answer, black and white. More often than not, it's indirect. So, do I take this job or do I take this job? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to turn to some book of the Bible and find a verse that says, oh, no, you should take this job. It doesn't work that way. But what you can do is evaluate the job offers in light of what the Bible does say. God comes to us and says, you are here for a very limited period of time. I have made you to declare me to the nations. Like you are here to advance my kingdom in this world. Primarily, that's your mission in life. So now look at your jobs and say, which one is going to help me to do that best? Because I'm not here for career advancement only. I'm not here for jobs and money. and All those things are important and they matter, but like, which one will help me accomplish what I have specifically been called to accomplish? You know, do I merge my company with this company or with this company? Well, you know, which one is more ethical because God calls you to be radically ethical? Do I buy this house or do I buy this house? Well, I don't know. I mean, are they very different in the prices? And, and if you buy the more expensive house, does that preclude you from being able to, to be as generous as God calls you to be in his word? Or which one would be, maybe be better for hospitality? Like maybe you have the gift of hospitality and you're like, this is the house where we can have all the neighbors over. We can, have, we can host a community group here. We can have an alpha here. Like this is something God has gifted us to do. We get to reveal Jesus to people because we're good at this. And it's not on the water, but, you know, it's nice. Maybe this is our house. So you look at it in light of what God says about other things, and it suggests answers. And here's the deal. If you look at what God's word says and you have the answer, you're done. Don't ask any more questions because the Lord has spoken. But if you're still going, eh, I don't know. So then the next question is, what does my heart say? Why is that important? Because David comes to us as one example, and he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, he'll implant his desires for you into your heart and they'll become what you now desire. As you pursue the Lord in relationship, as you walk with Christ in relationship, your heart will grow more and more like his heart. Therefore, your passions and desires will grow more and more like his passions and desires. Therefore, your heart will truly, in an ever-increasing measure, as you grow in your relationship with him, become an even more and more and more reliable guide to what he would have you do. Like at some point, it's fair to say, hey, you got these two options. What do you want to do? Because he's taken over your want to. And you're like, you know what? Honestly, this excites me. Well, then maybe you have your answer. And if you do, stop there. But if not, then you go to the next question, which is, what does wise counsel say? Listen to what else Solomon says. Proverbs 1, verse 5, he says, Let the wise do what? Hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, which is what we're talking about. He's like, listen, go out and find a few good friends, like people whose spiritual life you really respect. These are people who know the voice of the Lord, and maybe they have expertise in whatever area it is that you need to make this decision in. 
Not 15, maybe three. What do they say? Interact with them on it. Maybe that's the thing that God uses to give you his answer. But if not, then you look at question number four, which is what do my circumstances say? Now, why is that a valid question? Because God controls absolutely everything and everyone, right? So if he's in charge of all of our circumstances, sometimes they define a path for us that's so clear that it's unavoidably what it is that we're supposed to do. However, if that fails, then you're down to common sense. What does my own common sense say? Now, why is that a point? Because God has given you a mind, and with it you have the ability to reason and to think. He expects every one of us to use it. He's like, come on, now I've given you decision-making capacities. You can figure things out. And sometimes we have to figure it out. And that's where we're left. So those are the primary ways that God speaks to us today, but it presupposes that we want to hear, right? That we want to know what it is that he wants to say, that we're less like Ahab uh, than we hope. Guys, it matters who you listen to, and the call of the Bible is to enter into a relationship with God as your heavenly Father, a good and perfect and altogether perfectly wise Father through faith in Jesus Christ, and then to grow in relationship with Him and to learn what He's saying and how He speaks, because He isn't always going to tell you what you want to hear, and we've experienced that. But what He says is always good, and it is intended entirely to lead you to life and away from death. So I close with this. Have you begun a relationship with God through faith in Jesus? Because that is always the starting point. I don't know God except through faith in Christ. God so loved you that he sent Jesus into the world to take on a body like mine and like yours and as the perfect man for mankind to suffer and die, to be cut off from the land of the living, to pay the penalty that we all Otherwise, have to pay on our own to God for taking our lives and stealing them away from him and living them for other people and other things. He so loved you that he did that for you so that through faith in him, by receiving Jesus' payment for me and for you, you can be forgiven and brought into the family of God. So have you begun that? relationship with God through faith in Jesus. But then secondly, what are you doing to come to know his voice? Because Jesus says things like, my sheep know my voice. And that's true of anybody that you're in relationship with. Like some of you I've known for more than 20 years, which is pretty cool, by the way. So if you called me, and even if my phone didn't say, you know, this person is calling, okay, take away that. I just answered it. I'd know who it is immediately. Like you wouldn't have to go, hey, Tom, this is Jim. You know, I'd like, no, I know Jim. And I know his voice. And I know him well enough to know Actually, when I hear his voice, how he's doing. You have that with people. You think of your kids, you know, as soon as you hear their voice. Actually, if if your kids call you, you panic because they only ever text. We've actually said to our kids, listen, if you're going to call us, text us first. Calling you in five minutes, everything's fine. Seriously. It's like pull over on the side of the road. You're like, okay, all right, what's this? But you hear their voice and you know how they're doing. So it is with the Lord. He calls you to come to know his voice. You're like, well, how do I do that? You know, our mission as a church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And those people include us. We're to be growing in a relationship. And you're like, well, all right, what what is the process for that? It's the growth track that we get up and talk about every week and invite you into. Where does it begin? It begins with joining us for worship. 
And that means primarily on Sunday mornings, but I want to talk a little bit about personal worship. Every Monday, if you've signed up for it, if you have our free phone app, every Monday morning, you get a push from us. And in that push is the passage of Scripture that we're going to talk about the next Sunday. We've broken it into five days, Monday through Friday, added passages to it, study questions so you can actually journal online if you want to, or, you know, have your own journal. But what are we inviting you into? a way to come to know God's word, to deposit it down into your heart, to treasure it there, to hear from him as you study his word prayerfully and to put it down there so that when he needs to grab something and say, here, here's the answer you're looking for, it's there. It's fantastic. Join us for worship and do that on Sunday mornings as well. And I want to say a word about that, okay? And hopefully this is going to be okay. We'll see how this goes. I want to ask you to join us in person for worship if you're able to do that. And I know that not everybody is. Like if you're out of town, if you're on vacation, if you live too far away, like I totally get that. If you have real health concerns, I totally get that. If you have COVID fears and we all have different sensibilities, fine. I'm not commenting on any of that. I just want to say that this is a very different experience than it is at home. It is. And those of you who have had both experiences, tell me that all the time. Listen, I had that experience. You know, you got all these little kids and you're trying to, it's like managing a pile of ants while you're trying to pay attention to something. It doesn't work. You know, if you've got a teenager, you know, you're like putting him over your shoulder just before the sermon and dragging him out to the couch, you know, after you've been yelling, hey, the service starts in 30 seconds. Hey, the service started. Hey, the first song, the second song, good grief, when are you getting up? It's just the way it works. The dog wants to go out and come in and go out and come in and go out and come in and you're home and now it's fun and everything's exciting and da 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 You know, it's like if you get 10% of whatever it is that happens here, you're probably doing pretty good. But I want to challenge it more fundamentally than that. I mean, the Bible comes and it says this day is the Lord's day. You know whose day that makes it not belong to? <laughs> Me and you. It's not Tom's day. It's not your day. It is the Lord. Just like the Bible comes to us and says, take 10% of your income and give it to the Lord and to advance his causes as an indication that the whole of it belongs to him and came from him. And you're a manager. It says the same thing about our time with the Sabbath. It says, listen, one in seven belongs to God. And one of the things that online church, which I am grateful for, has fed in our souls that is unhealthy is a consumeristic understanding of this. This has become about me and not about him. That's not what the Bible teaches about worship. The Bible comes and says, no, 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 God is the object of worship. God is the subject of worship. And you come here not to get, but to give. You come here to give him the sacrifice of your praise. Hear that language. To give him the sacrifice of your finances if you're a part of the family. To give him the sacrifice of your own self as you place yourself underneath the teaching of his word. And together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, receive With a heart toward obeying, Lord, speak for your servant listens. That's the biblical posture toward the word of God. And then to give him your life as filled by his spirit, you leave here to go do what he says. It's not watching a podcast that you get to do, you know, anytime you're working into your schedule, it's different. And so I want to challenge you with that. And if I could hug you, I would, but I'd be okay with that. I've been vaccinated, so it's all good. But, But really, I mean... Think that through. So how do you grow in your relationship with God? You join us for worship. Okay, so then after that, what do you do? You discover Rio. You're like, what does that even mean? Well, we have a class. It's called Discover Rio. 
And you get to know who we are theologically, philosophically, and, and you get to know a group of people, which is awesome. So you go through the process. You don't have to join at the end of it if you want to. That's great. Thirdly, what do I do? I join a group. As Will said, it's every other week. Every other week is a group week here at the church. We are a communal people, and the Christian faith is a communal faith. We grow in relationship with each other. What else do I do? I grow spiritually. So those are the other weeks. Grow week and group week. We've got all kinds of offerings that will help you deepen your understanding of the Scriptures and your understanding of Christ and of who God is and of who you are and of what this world is is all about and what the next world is all about, which is even more significant. And then the last thing is you find your platform for mission. What does that mean? It means you realize that you're here to give, not to get. You may get, and I find, by the way, that you get the most when you give the most. In other words, when you're serving, man, you grow the most. When you're serving, you feel Christ's presence the most, whether you're serving here on campus or outside of here. We are here to advance the kingdom of God by the things that we do, by the way that we live, and by the words that we say. It's what Alpha is all about. It's what learning how to share your faith is all about. It's what all of our partnerships in town are all about. It's what our initiatives are all about. And that is the way that you grow. Okay? All right. So if you're thinking, can you just wrap this up, Tom, and put a bow on it? I would say that it matters who you listen to. It matters who you listen to. Like, hugely, it matters. It matters. So begin a relationship with God. Learn to know His voice, guys. And then listen to Him. Because even when He tells you what you don't want to hear, oh man, what He says is good. Ahab's like, yeah, I'm going to disregard that. And then everything that the Lord said happened. You see, it's good and it is intended and designed to lead you to life. So let me, let me pray for you. Father, I, I lift up uh, this group of people, myself included. And oh Lord, I pray that you would break through into our hearts. God, impress upon us your love for us as we find it in Christ. Lord, wrap us up in your arms and speak to us with your voice. Make your word to come alive when we open it and meet with us as we pray. Lord, grow us in this relationship with you uh, that we might recognize your voice when we speak and, and even hear your heart as you do. Do these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen.